0: Hello and welcome to the Do One Better podcast in philanthropy, sustainability and social entrepreneurship. I'm your host, Alberto Aligi from London. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find the show as well. Today, it's an absolute pleasure to welcome onto the show Oliver Gregson, region head for JP Morgan's private bank in the UK, Channel Islands and Ireland. Now, Oliver studied environmental biology and is personally involved in various climate-related charities. And as you'll hear, he embraces a healthy sense of urgency when it comes to tackling the global sustainability agenda. So today, we'll get a really interesting look and insight into life from the vantage point of a leading private bank and the key dynamics and trends when dealing with individuals and organizations of means, who care about purpose and care about driving positive change. So without further ado, Oliver, a big heartfelt welcome onto the Do One Better podcast today.
1: Alberto, great to be with you. Nice to see you again. And, uh, you know, thanks so much for having me.
0: Oh, it's such a pleasure and good to see you again. It's always nice to catch up. Uh, this time we're going to be talking a little bit about philanthropy, not rugby. Uh, which is a little bit of a change, but it's a nice
1: thing. We, we, we're not going to mention England, Argentina, we're are we? We're not going to mention
0: anything of, of, of that uh, today. <laughs> um, so, look, you're the region head for JP Morgan Private Bank, UK, Channel Islands, Ireland, and that would be a great starting point. Tell me a little bit about the bank. What's it all about?
1: Well, listen. Look, I think first and foremost, thanks for you know having me uh, come in and join you know your podcast series, Alberto. It's it's great to have the chance to you know talk with you today and and you know share some thoughts and insights, etc. Um, uh, the private bank is a, a diamond in the mix of you know what is the world's largest non-state owned you know bank. Uh, the bank has four lines of business: an investment bank, a retail bank, a commercial bank, and an asset and wealth manager. So the private bank you know, has a really amazing, rich history. Uh, I have to say, Alberto, um, before I joined the organization, I never knew this, but actually uh, the House of Morgan started in the UK, in London, in the early 1800s when actually Morgan's father, uh, uh, Junior Spencer Morgan, took over George Peabody's eponymous merchant banking business. And it became JS Morgan & Co. as a private bank in London. And we've been here you know, ever since, you know, working hard to make sure that we're there for our clients in good times and bad. Fast forward to today, you know, and excitingly, the organization here in the UK is nearly 25,000 people. It's the third highest country of concentration of employment for the firm globally. Uh, what's been so exciting in my, you know, Uh, reasonably short time with the organization is to see the investment the firm is making within the country. Uh, We bought Nutmeg, you know, one of Europe's leading digital wealth managers. Uh, We've rolled out a neobank uh, with the launch of Chase, the first time we've taken our retail bank outside of the US. Uh, We bought one of the leading uh, cap table manager and employee share plan providers, with a company called Global Shares. uh, And we're expanding in various different parts right across, you know, the whole country. You know, in particular, you know, within our part of the business, the private bank opening up offices, for example, you know, in Manchester, where we have a history actually that goes back to uh, uh, 1884 when we helped the Manchester Ship Canal in leading their preferred stock offering Uh, And we're active uh, still to this day in the community in supporting organizations like the Manchester Credit Union and Fair for All Finance. uh, Because I think that's a really important part that we recognize, you know, of how we support the communities uh, that we serve and and within which that we operate. Uh, Bringing it, you know, to to the private bank um, you know, we are really there to work with ultra-high net worth clients, charities, endowments, foundations. Alberto, both in a personal and a professional capacity, across kind of both sides of a balance sheet, so assets and liabilities, with you know solutions and services in investing, in lending, in philanthropy, in financial planning, uh, and making sure that we're there both in a personal capacity as well as actually in support of operating companies, you know, for business owners and, and entrepreneurs. You know, Jamie Diamond, our chairman and CEO, when he chaired you know, the business roundtable, was, you know, very, I think, prescient and, and proactive in you know, talking about the need to move to a multilateral approach, you know, a multi-stakeholder you know, appro- approach beyond just shareholders. And so thinking about communities, colleagues clients shareholders our supply chain etc you know has been something that really has been at the forefront of the organization you know so it's not just what we do but it's also you know how we do it
0: now with the JP Morgan uh, with private banking you're in a very privileged position because you're you're at that intersection where you have uh, individual clients and organizations of considerable means and resources m- increasingly interested in philanthropy increasingly interested in and in being good corporate citizens as it were as well and you're in a position there to help them on that journey and not only that but you yourself personally you you were actually quite involved in the charity space and climate you you studied environmental uh, biology if i remember correctly that's right so how how do you see things from from your vantage point you're 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 heading up the the bank you have all of these clients who have resources, who are increasingly interested in finding out more about how they can impact the world positively. And there you are.
1: I would say in, in many ways, perhaps slightly perversely, Alberto, from that perspective on terms of climate and the environment, the last sort of five years have been, you know, really interesting. Um, you know, this started as, a, as an interest in my university days, has grown to become an absolute personal passion and and what's been so wonderful, particularly in the UK and in Europe, which I really think are actually the vanguard of, of this sort of issue and agenda and in many ways trailblazing in terms of what's happening in this space, you know, it's become a professional necessity. And, and to see those two sort of overlap has been, you know, a source of great kind of personal fulfillment. And I have very consciously sort of said, you know, I'm just not prepared to be at the back of the bus on, on on this you know time is out or has run out uh, science is is unequivocal and you know it's moving much faster than many of the models you know sort of you know expected and so what's been really interesting around that sort of you know professional element is to see you know a huge amount of our customer base you know particularly over that 5 to 10 year period really start to become, you know, much more conscious and thoughtful around, you know, what they want to do, you know, with their wealth and profit with purpose, money with meaning, conscious capitalism, are, you know, are many of these sort of, you know, acronyms that kind of talk to some of those secular changes and, and trends that I think, uh, you know, have emerged and, and, are, and are growing are building. I think with a lot of our clients, it's moved away from those Slightly outdated notions from Victorian philanthropists from nearly 200 years ago to, you know, one that's really about you know impact and and or place-based philanthropy in my community where I can really kind of, you know, make it make a difference. And uh, as an example, we every so often you know interview a, a large number of our, our clients, and and we did so recently you know this year, and in our stewardship and purpose report you know it really showed that climate change and the environment as an example are one of the top five causes that families you know in our network care about and you know we've really sort of seen an uptink in the amount of impact capital philanthropic capital that they have started to try and focus you know on within that sector now it's it's huge. It's so broad. I mean, you can go from conservation to oceans, to biodiversity, to, you know, you, you can do, it's a complex area. And that's probably why historically, Alberta, we've only seen circa 2% of global philanthropic capital go towards climate and the environment.
0: On a good day. Which is on a good day.
1: uh, On a good, exactly. On a good day, which, which I would suggest to you is kind of off because, if you care, let's say your passion is, you know, refugee relief or child poverty or healthcare or, you know, well, with the greatest respect in a three degree plus world, you know, your endowment, your charity, it's, we're all toast. So, you know, the, the horizontal, inextricably linked elements of climate change to all of those issues is unavoidable, you know, I mean, if we continue on that path of two and a, 2.6 degrees, you know, the impact on refugees, I mean, we haven't seen anything yet. And unfortunately, you know, as you and I sort of probably talked about it before, the, the really unfortunate piece is the disproportional impact on, on those, you know, less capable, you know, of being able to, you know, adapt to the impacts of climate change and those, least responsible for its effects. Um, and so I think what's been interesting is that move away from slightly outdated, you know, forms of philanthropy to, you know, often very engaged clients beyond writing the check and and wanting to actually roll up their sleeves and physically get involved. And then, you know, really thinking about some of these horizontal, you know, interrelated issues. And you know, I, I, to be clear, um, you know the importance of scaling, you know, uh, um, capacity building, and you know, uh, um, first loss risk capital to some of these technologies and solutions that are going to be needed to try and, you know, change that trajectory that we're on. You know, the importance of philanthropists in some areas you know, on, on, on this historically has been huge. The role of that catalytic capital, you know, in being able to provide that sort of, you know, you know, first loss risk capital, you know, risk appetite has, has been, you know, hugely important. And so that is absolutely one area. And, And a second big area is it's sort of very mission driven values aligned, you know, um, portfolio with purpose you know this sort of piece where we're really trying seeing you know clients very consciously trying to align their financial affairs so that they can have a greater impact with their wealth
0: yeah and that's a fascinating spot isn't it because conceivably a foundation with a big endowment on the one hand they have the grant making possibly their operating activities on the other hand They have this bag of money being invested and how that bag of money is invested and what are the parameters, what are the things you're filtering out or including in actively, that makes a huge difference. That could conceivably have a bigger social impact than what actual grant making or operations they have. Yeah, I
1: I I think, you know, it was very interesting seeing the Ford Foundation and, you know, some of the principal Protagonists, I guess, or, or, or architects around some of that, it, as an example, in in the eyes of COVID, talking about these endowments really needing actually to step up and, and get the capital out the door, and and you know, etc. And so, you know, I think there's you know, a really interesting debate around you know this at the moment, you know, in particular given the difficult economic climate, climate, a lot of people are struggling. You know that division between church and state is is becoming kind of quite quite blurred. But you know, I saw firsthand what amazing things our clients were doing. You know, when the chips are down and and, and needs were most. You know, converting their warehouses. You know to you know to PPE stockpiles, to food banks, to to you know actively. You know, getting in and amongst the, the community, and you know, um, and, and rightly so. You know the the you know the opportunity to make a difference is has is, is been huge given some of these you know macro challenges that, that have been that have been faced, and I, I think that that is a trend that will you know that will continue. You know, as much as it is about these long term opportunities, business owner, entrepreneur, investor etc because you know the, the energy transition hasn't really started alberto you know in the public markets you know it's probably only sort of 25% you can get kind of exposure to and that's going to be quite concentrated into certain elements of that energy transition so private you know private markets is a really exciting area you know that we see you know going going forward uh, decarbonization of course you know touches multiple kind of sectors and you know we need rough estimates five or trillion you know per annum to sort of you know make the outcome that the ipc and others that are seriously well informed on this one you know plausible and 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 possible
0: fascinating stuff when a client comes up to you uh somebody who's uh philanthropically minded or cares a great deal about the global sustainability agenda, uh, when they're thinking, okay, look, we're looking to appoint appoint our discretionary investment managers. We want to make sure we're doing good. We're not doing bad. Uh, What do those conversations look like? And I remember having that conversation when I was leading a foundation and looking to appoint someone and they said, okay, let's sit down. And these are sort of the parameters. What does that look like? And And then just following up from that, being able to get exposed to... To investment opportunities that are actually not just about that financial return, but that also have purpose, uh, social return in mind as well. How easy or challenging is it to get into that? So one is about those discretionary investment managers and appointing that within a certain framework, and the other one is about getting exposure to uh, to investment vehicles that are that are going to be doing yeah.
1: good. Look, I I think increasingly, Alberto, it starts first and foremost with who you are as an individual and who you are as an organization. And, you know, as someone as you know, for which this is, you know, a personal passion, I think the firm has taken huge efforts in the last five years, you know, on on this agenda. And, And that is often the starting point you know, in this kind of conversation. What are you trying to do as an organization about things that are important to me? You know, and that, you know, starts typically with often, you know, a legacy sort of, you know, understanding of where are you as an organization on on fossil fuel? Uh, And the missed narrative, of course, in the headlines doesn't necessarily, I think, fully paint the kind of picture of, what's been done in the last sort of five years, you know, our absolute, you know, exposure to those legacy industries, you know, is is around 4% of our total balance sheet. That is much smaller than many of our peers. It has been coming down aggressively. What isn't kind of represented is also that we're one of the world's largest green banks. We're the number one issuer and underwriter of green bonds and ESG, you know, related sustainable linked bonds you know, have invested huge amounts of our, you know, capital in support of these emerging kind of technologies uh, and, you know, have taken a a number of really seminal steps over that period, you know, to move you know, uh, um, the bank uh, to be I think at the forefront of this and I want to be really clear around you know, something on that one, Alberto, because it's easy to sort of you know, step away and 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 not kind of get involved. But that's not going to make one and a half degrees happen. And you don't get there unless you go after the hard to abate sectors. And we've taken a really conscious decision that we can use our scale, our capital, our knowledge, our resources, our expertise, our capabilities, etc., in helping a wide range of clients, both operating companies, individuals, endowments, etc. You know, Make that change necessary. And, you know, we've also committed ourselves, I think some, you know, really big investments in 2020 to align our global financing, you know, uh, portfolio to the, to the Paris Accord. Uh, we followed that up with a $2.5 trillion commitment uh, from the firm towards the SDGs, a trillion of which is towards green, uh, we also committed a number of significant, you know, um, uh, uh, milestones. All of which we publicly share, we publicly disclose on, and track our performance to, around how we can minimise our, you know, our operational impact, and the societal element. You know, Paris talks about a just transition. We need to bring people with us. You know, we also put out a thirty billion, you know, commitment on an effort to really try and close, you know, the racial. You know, wealth and, and, and equity, you know, gap, um, and we're significantly, you know, far down that kind of, you know, that that road. On that, I mean, if I look at the, you know, the two and a half trillion, we're four hundred eighty two billion along that way, one hundred seventy six billion of that, you know, uh, this is towards the twenty thirty goal, has gone towards green, uh, and you know. Um, it's really focused on trying to make that 2030 net zero of which we are a signatory, you know, and aligned to that one, a a reality. After that initial pledge in 2020, we were also the first uh, large U S bank to set 2030 targets for our financing portfolio. We started with three sectors, oil and gas, electric power and auto manufacturing. Um, those are not necessarily the easiest sectors, but it talks to that point that I think we have, well, we have fact invested in hundreds and hundreds of experts and and you know headcount to support that, in creating our carbon compass methodology, in creating the Center for Carbon Transition, all of which, by the way, we open source. You can Google it, it's all right there, trying to help the industry in you know, and and the wider sectors move forward. This isn't something we're just trying to be proprietary about because that doesn't affect the outcome that we know is is needed. We then also, again, were the first large bank to, you know, expand that in the U.S. in 2022 when we set net zero aligned targets for three sectors, iron and steel, cement, aviation. Again, cement, you know, know, pretty difficult. Uh, And, you know, we will disclose our absolute financed emission targets in 2023 and aim to continue expanding you know our work with the additional carbon intensive sectors that are out there you know in the future and that's just an example I mean, we then talk about what we're trying to do around our you know our footprint with 300,000 employees in 72 countries around the world you know maintaining carbon neutral operations which we achieved in 2020 100% sourcing of renewable energy for our global, global power needs, reducing scope one and scope two greenhouse emissions by 40% by 2030. And then you sort of bring that down into, okay, you know, um, that a lot that sounds like there's a lot there, you know, um, and there are examples, by the way, closer to home of what we're kind of doing with examples on the societal elements of how we're working with the Sutton Trust or the Social Mobility Foundation or an organization like Capital Enterprise. Um, And then, of course, there's thinking about what that means kind of for your portfolio, for your family, for your business, you know, how do I, offset my impact in the right way, you know, Offset, uh, you know, are, are rightly so a hotly debated kind of sector, you know, how do I move my investment portfolio, you know, into areas, you know, that are, you know, going to benefit from this, you know, flood of, you know, capital as we transition our overall, you know, economy, you know, how can you help me understand, you know, and, and report on the impact You know, impact measurement is, you know, a rapidly emerging, you know, area of kind of great interest, reporting and disclosure and and these sorts of things. And, you know, look, in many ways, you know, carbon is becoming an asset class. I think biodiversity is going to become an asset class, you know, and there are a real interest in, in these
0: areas for obvious reasons. Now, you studied environmental biology, ended up working over 20 years in finance now I think finance is catching up with, with, with what you studied, perhaps maybe at the earlier start, at the early stage, not so much. But tell me a little bit about what, uh, what makes you a better banker in terms of what you studied before and also the engagement that you have uh, with, with nonprofit climate-related charities. And then the flip side of that, being a successful private banker, how that helps you be a better trustee, better supporter of those charities.
1: Interesting. The University of Life, Alberto, has of course had its influence, yeah. I'm sure, like it does with, with all of us. And as one, you know, moves along, you know, their, their journey, you know, there are lessons, experiences, you know, etc. that obviously have, you know, big impacts and I got to a point, I think, in in my life, you know, in my 40s and two kids had kind of come along and you start to ask yourself, you know, what world and society are they going to grow up, you know, in and, and, you know, you have a, suddenly you find yourself going, well, actually I'm in this amazing opportunity with a phenomenal organization that totally encourages you to bring your whole self into work each and every day to have a a, a role that affords a platform that I can make a a disproportionate impact potentially. And that, I think, sort of realization, you know, has led to, um, you know, a a wish to, to want to try and give back in whatever, you know, small way, you know, you can. And so I feel very fortunate that I've had the chance you know, to to get involved in some of those things that you you mentioned, you know, uh, a marine conservation charity, an amazing uh, biodiversity organization called Finance Earth, which I recently stepped down from as a non-executive director, um, was asked by Clarence House to, you know, help uh, uh, at the beginning of the Sustainable Markets Initiative, you know, and these sorts of things. But I think what I realized, you know, along the way is that what gives you meaning and purpose and, and where do you find that? And, and if you can tap into that, you know, that's one of the keys, I think, to sort of that big question, the secret of success. And um, I think I, I sort of realized that being involved and, and spending your time on some of these things, it's really, of course you have a day job, et cetera, but, you know, bringing that back into the day job as well, you know, is really you know, important in terms of, you know, fuel that keeps the fire in the belly, you know, burning. And um, that probably has been, you know, a, a, um, part of my sort of, you know, journey. And, and, you know, to, to that, you know, those lessons that you learn along the way, I think the journey is more important than the destination, Alberto. You know, time is the most precious commodity you mm-hmm. Sadly, I have lost some friends, unfortunately, along the way, the things like cancer, et cetera. And, and, you know, we only have no one chance at this, and and no one wants to lie on their deathbed with those kind of regrets. And so I, I think, um, you know, that plus, you know, the, the, the point that you made where you started to see this, you know, becoming a kind of professional necessity, you know, um, know shape you one of my probably my you know my favorite picture in the whole world is the the pale blue dot uh and um carl sagan you know the famous astronomer and philosopher you know um brilliantly turned around voyager from interstellar space to take a picture and you know we're that tiny sort of speck in the milky way and that's it it's everything we know as he said everyone we love you know etc and if you can't he said if you can't breathe the air or drink the water, you know, what are you gonna do? So um, that, you know, I, I think have been some of the things that have sort of helped, you know, probably probably shape that. And I, I, I feel very fortunate and privileged that I've had an opportunity to sort of, you know, to, to do so. And and, you know, in terms of the the day to day, as we've just talked about, that's you know, increasingly becoming a large part of it too.
0: Excellent, excellent. Tell me before you run off today. Key takeaway: What's that one thing you'd love for the audience to keep in mind after they finish listening to today's episode? Hmm.
1: Help make tomorrow today. You no, know, and and everyone has a chance to make a difference. Not all of us can do everything, but every one of us can do something. And whatever it is for you, figure out your why, your passion, and and make a difference.
0: Love it. Oliver, thank you so very much for joining us on the Do One Better podcast today and great seeing you again and learning from you and getting a little bit of insight into the, uh, into the private banking world as well.
1: Oh, listen, Alberto, I'm, I'm really grateful for the chance. Thank you so much for, for having me.
0: Perfect. And that's a wrap. Thanks very much for tuning in. As always, you've been listening to a great chat with Oliver Gregson, regional head of JP Morgan's private bank in the UK, Channel Islands and Ireland. For information about this conversation and more than 200 other interviews and case studies with remarkable leaders in philanthropy, sustainability and social entrepreneurship. Just visit our website at Liji.org. That's l-i-d-j-i.org. Please click that subscribe button and follow us if you're not doing so already. And do leave us a rating and a review. It helps others to find this show as well. Thoroughly enjoy producing today's show for you. Hope you found it equally as entertaining and informative as I did. And I will catch you this coming Monday.